Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You're tuning into the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after show entertainment. Johnson. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Welcome back, Doctor Who fans. It's time for the AfterBuzz TV After Show for Doctor Who. I'm your host, Zach Wilson. Tweet at me throughout the week, throughout the show at that Zach Wilson. Now let's talk about the woman who lived. And now let me get introduced to my fantastic panel that's going to talk about that episode. Across the table, back as always, Tari Miller. Hey, I'm Tari J. Miller. You can find me on Twitter at Tari J. It's T-E-R-I-J-E-Y. And I'm so excited to welcome back to the show... Matt Lieberman. Hey everybody, it's good to be back. Thanks for having me back, Zach. Yeah, this is a this is a blast of an episode. Yes. Um for me, the highlight of the season. I would, um, yeah, I would definitely say thematically, it, it's one of the strongest episodes that we've had in a long time. Um considering like we all know the tropes of Doctor Who now. Mm-hmm. Like I loved uh, in the last two parter how they subverted the whole we're trapped in in a dangerous place with something we don't understand with the time travel element. Like that was at least an interesting twist on it. But this one, this two parter is so interesting because it's uh, instead of a traditional Doctor Who adventure, the the adventure ended last episode. Like we solved everything. Yeah, and this was just like an extended character piece and a like. A just a soliloquy about the dangers of immortality and sort of like, I don't know, everyone's had that thought at some point, wouldn't it be great to live forever and never die? And this is sort of like a, you know, watch what you wish for kind of situation. Yeah, I, I mean, really loved it. the questions, and we'll get into this at length, the mm-hmm. questions about immortality and how that can affect a person is something that the doctor is always dealing with. But he's this supernatural being to us. He is greater than a single human being. Mm-hmm. Um, so we often like look past a lot of those questions. So to spend an, an episode just really just talking and dealing with it from an outside perspective is fascinating. Yeah. Tari, what do you think? Um, I thought it was really good. It actually reminded me of like a tenant episode. Uh, in the way that we're introduced to the Doctor walking, walking around with gadgets and things. And then beyond that, like I feel like this was a, a very... This was an issue that Tennant dealt with, and Matt Smith as well, more so, in that like he was all about jumping into places and kind of flopping around in the water and then just leaving and not really dealing with any of the consequences. And I feel like this was very much in line with that whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, just considering the the weight of the decision, like, you know, he just, he made a split second call to save this one girl, and in doing so, he condemned so many others to death, 
anyone that she's killed over the years. And it makes you wonder who the doctor would have been had he not taken that TARDIS for himself and found his freedom and learned respect for all humankind and creature kind and everything. If he had been stuck on Gallifrey and hadn't and had been the only one of his kind. If he if if the third doctor, if Pertwee's doctor he never got free from Earth and just was stuck there forever, would this happen to him too? It's a it's oh. a fair question. Yeah. I mean that's sort of I guess the difference between well let's let's get into uh Mii's storyline. Yes. Which I've done who? Me? <laughs> um Cute. But we we're we're reintroduced to uh to the character of a shielder mm-hmm. um, via the the nightmare, uh, which is like instantly you see her and you're like, "That's Maisie Williams." Like, yeah, it's her in the mask. I didn't think that immediately. Oh. Did not think that. Did not see that. And I feel like a fool for not noticing. <laughs> I was really taken by that voice. Um, well, yeah, the voice was really like it was real sultry and it was cool. a manly voice. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. she's got her hundred thousand hours. Exactly, <laughs> you get good at <laughs> anything. Yeah, I mean that's again they went into like what are the things that immortality can do? Oh, you can master things that no one can do. Well, it's like in in Groundhog Day. You think about how many years he must have been stuck in that one day to become an accomplished pianist among other things yeah right you don't want to think about it like but this is sort of like forcing you to like like no it would take a hundred thousand hours to really completely change your voice with no even hint of your original uh like tone Mm -hmm. right yeah almost like there was another person doing adr for you (laughs) (laughs) almost almost um i love that hold up sequence and the way the doctor poked through and and it was just Wonderful, one of those wonderful madcap comedy moments that we only get on this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the the robbery scene was great. This is my robbery. <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, wait a minute. It looks like you're. It appears you're committing a robbery. You know, just like just sort of like he's completely so lost in his own thing that he doesn't even realize what's happening right in front of him, and. This show can be just such a blast sometimes. Yeah, it's, this is the perfect, uh, just like a levity to kick off the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so as we get to know Reno a shielder, find out that she just refers to herself as me. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think of the rename? Sorry. Uh, all right. Well, I think I like it in the in the idea that essentially it's kind of reflective of her inner monologue in that like if if you are alone a lot. You're not going to be like, hey, Tari. Like, well, I do it. I refer to myself in the third person a lot. But, like, usually, <laughs> typically, people refer to themselves as me. This is mine. This is me. And so, like, it makes sense that, like, she's gone through so many different lives that in the at the end of the day, it's only what she calls herself. Hmm. I think that that's absolutely on the money. It's also when you've had as many lives at this point as she has had. Um, you know, you can only be a young woman for so long in mm-hmm. a community before they realize who you are and you have to leave and start over again. Uh, that no name matters because she had, she had to shed the name of Shielder, I'm sure, you know, centuries ago when, uh, she moved towards England and suddenly, you know, a Viking was not, not allowed. You couldn't just be a Viking. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you couldn't just run through streets. I will challenge you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) I also, I really loved the fact that she's lived through the Black Death, that she lived through Mm -hmm. a leper colony, that she had kids and lost them. Like, she's not only lived lives, but she's 
tried to enjoy all of the fruits of being human, of having kids of your own, of learning to do and mastering several skills, helping people, saving people. But uh, there comes a point where you realize that there's just a level of futility. No one is ever going to be good enough to share this journey with me. I might as well just get used to the fact that I'm alone. And none of these people matter because they're all going to die. Yeah, I mean, you can't imagine, I guess, what it would be like to, if if she can't really stay in the same place for 20 years, 30 Mm -hmm. years, because people start to question what how why she isn't aging mm-hmm. and in an age where we she literally is like we see her like a, they attempt to drown her for being a witch because probably because of her just age and everything like if she yeah. stayed there for 10 years she's not aging she cured all the disease she's a witch <laughs> you have to wonder what would have happened if the time war had occurred when the doctor was in his 20s if he didn't grow up and live at least a century with other Time Lords. Because the, the Time War didn't really happen until he was, what, in the 700s? Seven, yeah, I would say 600, 700. 600, 700s. So he had lived centuries, you know, uh, flitting from planet to planet, wandering his way through time, but also knowing that he had people to go back to. The The Master is still alive. Missy is still alive. So there's still somebody with whom he sh- has shared his life. This mm-hmm. is somebody who walks alone through all of existence, knowing that there is somebody out there who could be with her and take her away but refuses to that would corrupt anybody i think loneliness is the most damaging thing yeah well yeah. i think just the the basic thing of the fact that she can't and this is sort of what it what drives her point uh for, with the whole um lionitis uh storyline is that she is stuck in one place this is also different i, I imagine it would be very different if she had been 400 more years in the future like to modern day where in like if she gets to that point she can travel the world at the very least right. like living out her life in England and then South America and then Canada and like go go to Japan like she could literally she could live entirely different lives because the cultures of those places may as well be an alien world mm-hmm. but living in up to now the 1600s it's very it doesn't evolve that much there's like definitely periods of change goes through the black death it's a lot of wars really but there's no technological advances because like we've advanced in the last hundred in the last century more than we had in the last two thousand years mm-hmm. and so we're very spoiled in the fact that we can experience tons of different things but she can't she's lived 800 years of very much the same life Fashion trends change, language changes, but outside of that, not a whole lot. It's interesting because you think about this is a person who's lived for centuries and has essentially recorded and then edited her own history, cutting out any part of her history that she would prefer not to remember. And you have to wonder if on a metaphorical level we're talking about humanity because if if we didn't have – difference of opinion if we didn't have people who were wronged who chose to maintain parts of history to remind people that they were wrong that they were slaughtered or something like that then we could conceivably be living the same kind of life where there are there are i'm sure tons of atrocities small and large that we don't remember and achievements that we don't remember because history is written by the victors Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean who knows what we have lost as a people I mean, she's basically got the eternal sunshine on her life. Yeah. 
with well, those journals. I love this idea of, you know, I've lived centuries, but the human memory can only hold on to so yes. much. Yeah. It's something I've always, like, looked at in science fiction whenever there's, like, an immortal or somebody who lives for extra long. You would be able to remember all that. Like, the human brain can only do so much. Mm-hmm. I love that they addressed it, that mm-hmm. it was tackled and it was dealt with because it's skipped over as, like, a thing that's sort of too complicated. Yeah. Right. How did you guys feel about essentially having a Doctor solo adventure? It doesn't happen very often. The only one that I can really remember with any kind of clarity is Midnight, where the uh, the 10th Doctor was alone on that ship, where there was the thing outside the ship. It is fourth season. Um, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't happen very often, but do you think it should happen more often? I really enjoyed this interplay. I get, well, he did, there are other episodes like um, the the Titanic Oh yeah, the episode of the dam. The, um, basically, those tenant, those four tenant specials. Mm-hmm. Um, he went off on his own. The Christmas specials are are oftentimes uh, Matt Smith did solo adventures That's with true. those. Yeah, um, they they often are good, um, but they can feel like they're missing something. This didn't because they're missing a companion to drive a counterpoint. Yeah. A counterpoint and an arc outside of the doctor, I think is what often is missing. And it's, but we felt a little bit in the last two seasons that you want like something going on, like this season, especially is like, you want something going on outside of the doctor that like sort of blends last year, I think was a little, in my opinion, was a little too much. We right. spent a little too much time with Clara. That may have just been my dislike of Danny Pink. <laughs> but um, I think, but Maisie Williams felt so much like a companion, even if this is only our second story, with, like episode with her. Mm-hmm. She still felt enough like a companion that I wasn't missing that perspective. Mm-hmm. I actually like the Doctor solo missions a little bit more, mostly because I... I love the companions if I'm enamored with them. Like, I was a big Amy fan, and I was a big Rose fan. I'm not as much a Clara fan, especially now, because they're doing this whole, like, Doctor Reflection thing, where it's like, I don't need two Doctors in an episode. Um, but So I love when it's just him kind of going to a new place, because one, it's easier to exposit, because essentially everyone's new to this environment. Um, and two, like, I feel like he, you can focus on the story more, because you're not kind of placating this other companion. You've also really hit the nail on the head for something I I couldn't quite put my finger on, Tari, which is that Clara this season has kind of been reduced to a reflection of the Doctor rather than being her own person, which Mm -hmm. is maybe why she isn't as indelible a companion as someone like Amy or someone like Rose. Or or for me, Donna, somebody who had a very, very clear point of view Mm -hmm. um, and a very clear reason for wanting to stay with the Doctor. At this point, I understand that she, you know, wants to keep going on adventures and see the world and see the universe, but... I don't really get what Clara wants at this point. She doesn't really feel like a fully defined character anymore. I feel like, you know, we had it last year with Danny Pink. I know you're not a a Pink fan, but, like, the idea of I want to have it all. I want to have adventures and exciting life, but I also want to have a great home base to come home to. I I felt that. And this season I feel like she's kind of a cipher. Yeah, I mean, well, you're right. If 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 you asked me to define what does Clara want. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest thing in television writing. What does each character want in every episode, in every scene, in every season? What does this character want to get? Who do they want to get it from? What is stopping them? 
Right now, Clara's only want is to travel, and there's nothing stopping her. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I think this season hasn't really focused as much on Clara, except like within an episode. Uh, it hasn't really dealt with what's going on in her life. Yeah, she's very secure in the fact that the doctor will figure out a solution of whatever she, whatever they're up to, and she handles everything pretty handily. Uh, and that's really been it so far. And it kind of makes you wonder, what is this season about? Like, the episodes have been great and, and far better than some of the ones we've gotten in, in recent years, I think. I think it's been a very strong season so far. But what is this season about? I don't see it going anywhere. Um, well, the, the third JP in the chat roll, uh, thinks that she, what it is that she's running from dealing with what has happened and what is happening to her. Hmm. Maybe, I mean, she is definitely trying to to avoid, I think, dealing with the emotion, the emotional toll of losing Danny at mm-hmm. the end of last season. That's de- that devastated her, and we never really saw her. We saw her deal with it a little bit in the Christmas special from last year, but not a lot since then, mm-hmm. or if at all. She just sort of dive, dove in headfirst to traveling again with the doctor. Mm-hmm. So I, that's a little bit of it, but that's still not enough, and it hasn't been a plot point this season. Yeah, except for the one mention from Missy in the first episode. Yeah, but that was like then there and then it was gone. Yeah. Right. Well, the way that this episode ends kind of makes you wonder will uh will me have some sort play some sort of significant role in where Clara is going because she's still around and she's, you know, made it her mission to be the patron saint of lost companions. Yeah. I mean, well, let's let's talk about the, the about me as a potential companion. Sure. Um, because a lot of people, as soon as they just announced Maisie Williams, were like, Maisie Williams for the new companion, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. And we didn't even know who she was. Yeah. Um, and now we know that Moffat wasn't lying. She is a re- she is a new character. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I don't think anyone expected is when we figured out that she was a new character, that she would be a character that has massive implications for the greater... Hoovian universe. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that this person has been there through everything the Doctor has done, through all the Doctors, any time that he has been on Earth and has left people in his wake, like, shown up, saved the day, and not worried about like, what the cleanup was, she would be there. Mm-hmm. That's what she says. So we have to imagine, after all those times, like, all, like... Maybe she's checking in on Donna every now and again to, like, make sure she's okay. Like, the doctor, like, left Donna in a good place, but, like, that's his main companion. Right. Well, arguably. I mean, yeah. but, like, she's safe. Right. Um, um, with this idea, and this was something I thought about when I was watching it, in that, like, now that they've introduced this patron saint of lost companions, um, I would have much preferred that sh- that a shoulder have or me, had been the person who connected Clara back with the doctor when, uh, like, who gave her his number in Bells of St. John, who, you know, connected them back when they were uh, in the dinosaur episode. Um, I felt like that would be a role for a uh, a patron saint of Lost Companions, as opposed to Missy just messing with them. Hmm. Well, I, frankly, it wasn't an idea that they had yet. I, oh, I, right. I think that would be more elegant um, and and more interesting. I want to see the interaction between me and Madame Vastra and Strax and Jenny. Oh, <laughs> that, I mean, she'd have to meet them at some I'm point. I'm sure that she did. Uh, and, yeah. Speaking of meeting people... Yeah. 
I know we all had a little bit of fan squee when the doctor dropped the Jack Harkness name. Yes! Because um, we haven't had any... Acknowledgement, like, period, of him. The last time we even heard his name was in the 50th, mm-hmm. when he his, um, his uh, uh, vortex manipulator mm-hmm. was in the vaults. And everyone thought, like, oh, he'll show up in the 50th, and, like, maybe we'll get him, like, he's an immortal, so in theory, he would appear, he could appear at any time. Right. He has the ability to time travel with the Vortex Manipulator. You could put him anywhere, and we could catch up to him. Um, Unfortunately, he is a little busy over on Arrow. But he's not that busy. Come on, Tari. I know (laughs) we, we all like Arrow, but... Malcolm Merlin could get shot, and then we could like bring him over. <laughs> we could bring him back anyway. I mean, yeah, he's only in like a quarter of the episodes yeah. right now. I don't know, but like, well, here as my my like complaining fan wants to be like that. It's the only explanation is that he's <laughs> yeah. too busy with Arrow because I don't because like honestly I don't know why I don't know if Moffat just doesn't like that character hmm. or what it is because it feels like such a such an opportunity. I feel like it's a couple of things. One, I have to imagine that once RTD took took him over to Torchwood, Moffat no longer really had any say on what happened to the character. Uh, and he just plain didn't like the development and the direction that he was taken. That's that's one possibility. Okay. Um, that he just doesn't care to continue with the character because of that. Another possibility could be, I mean, granted, John Barrowman looks, is ageless, but maybe he just he feels he looks too old. Or it's something that he's like, I've gone this long without doing it. If I'm going to do it, and I'm not saying I am, if I'm going to do it, it's going to be as part of my exit. He did, I, I think he said this, I, I don't have a source. I saw, I saw a quote today when I was looking, and I couldn't mm-hmm. find a, a source. So, grain of salt that said that he would do a Jack Harkness story if the story was right. Right. Um, don't have a source, so can't officially say that that's real. That sounds very reasonable. Yeah, but I would hope that there... I, I think that there's just such opportunity. But the Torchwood theory is a good one. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, but but th- the, that's the thing, is you could always pick up with him earlier in his timeline before the Doctor even met him in the first season. That one would be the only tough part because of the fact that Barrowman has aged. And, like, right. he yeah. does he does look fantastic for his age, but you could still tell the difference. Right. And, like, it's TV years. magic, right. whatever. The, the like, It doesn't matter for the immortality side because Jack ages mm-hmm. as we know from the mess from the face, face of, of Bo, Bo right. which I've always thought like why can't we just run into the face of Bo somewhere even if he's not Bill <laughs> we could just find the face of Bo right, one day because if you CGI you can make him anywhere anyway we could talk about Captain Jack all day still <laughs> lots to talk about in this episode well the age thing though does hold some implications for how uh, involved will Maisie Williams character be in the future because you know she's 18 now she's going to you know rapidly change in look over the next five years mm-hmm. i mean that's the 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 uh, like the doctor very much says like you can't be a companion right like you um they even use the word companion at one point in this episode which i giggled a little bit it was just i mean because they know what that word means yeah um because her perspective is just too vast being an immortal and he needs 
the idea is he needs a, a, a mortal perspective. Because the Doctor, having gotten now his second set of regenerations, is very much an immortal. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, he could, just like Maisie Williams, or just like me, rather, he could be killed in a, in a small number of ways. Right. Like, mm-hmm. me, like uh, me can die if she gets... In a large number of yeah, ways. It, but, like, because uh, so, some people were asking about this in the chat... Me can die if she gets like beheaded. Let's say sure. I think she probably could have even drowned right. in when she was be when she, they caught her for being a witch. Absolutely, yeah. she could starve. She would was better at holding her breath because the uh, immortality cracker, as we've decided to call it, yeah. um, is constantly healing her. So it's making up for a lot of it, but it could only do so much. Eventually, right. it will crap out. Mm. Right, it's like Wolverine's healing factor in, in that regard. Yeah, it can. Wolverine's healing factor is, uh, I think, a lot stronger. But um, there is a limit, is the point. And the doctor can die. But for all intents and purposes, he is immortal. And he needs somebody who's, like, much smaller, has a much more focus, uh, that only has 80, 90 years maximum, Mm -hmm. 120 if we're stretching things, to live that can say, like, that can judge the importance of smaller events. Mm -hmm. And even, like... That makes each life important. How much he cares about Clara. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, plus, like, you don't want... Like, you get two cynical people in the same room. I mean, it's not going to produce a a great thing. Right. You know. Like, would she... Would she have talked him into staying with with the Viking village and helping them fight? Would she have gotten him to hold on to that essential humanity that... Uh, calls to that baby and made him want to stay. I don't think that she would. I think she would be like, well, th- th- this is pointless. We should just go somewhere else and enjoy something. Yeah. yeah. Now, I would love to watch that. I think it would be very interesting for its difference mm-hmm. from what we normally get. But it does, it is a very interesting look at what, how the Doctor chooses his companions. Yeah. Well, it's all, it's kind of funny because I know that the majority of fans want Doctor Who to work one way. Which is, okay, we have our established chronology, we are just continuing to plow forward from that chronology, and every, you know, six, seven, ten years, we'll switch showrunners, and it will essentially become a different show with that same chronology. I would love it at some point to be almost like a comic book series, where someone could take it and take it in an entirely different direction, where it's like, okay, we've got the Doctor with just suddenly with a companion like that who's also an immortal, and they're bearing witness to all of time and space, and seeing it crumble and it's more of like an existential dark Frank Miller character piece. I don't know. Not Frank Miller. Don't jump down my throat. But like, <laughs> it would be cool to like creatively reboot in that way where you're not yeah. beholden to everything that came before, especially just now that we're, we're effectively 10 years into this new series. It, it, it's hard to find ways to reinvent itself beyond new actors. Yeah, it's, I, I think, definitely showing, the show is so, showing signs of age mm-hmm. at this point. Nine seasons is a lot for it's any show, especially for a show that has 27, 26, 27, some odd seasons. Yeah. yeah. Plus a movie. Beforehand. Yeah, yeah plus a, 26 <laughs> seasons and a movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but can you, but like add into that another nine years, ten years, and we've been doing the I'm the only one of my kind storyline for all of that. The show needs a, as much as I enjoy it, it's very soon gonna need a massive shift. I think that's what Gallifrey is. I think we're building to the, the return of Gallifrey as a massive change in the series. Creatively, I have to think that Moffat is gonna have to go soon. He's a great, 
showrunner and a very talented writer, as evidenced be- between his seasons on this show and Sherlock. I would love to see him go spend some more time on Sherlock and get maybe a couple more episodes out of season. Um, but I just, th- and this isn't necessarily a slight against him, but I think the show could use a, just a different voice. Because it's not, at this point, it's not about being good or bad. It's about just being different because you have the same thing for so many years and you, it can get dull. Mm-hmm. So you want to go somewhere completely different. Mm-hmm. I love his season, season five and six, series five and six of, of Modern Who are my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are my favorite two seasons. And, but it's not what that, it's not the same, it's not the same show that it was those two years. No. Right. Do you think that me would be, would achieve that? Or do you think that we, it's somebody else that it needs to be? I don't know that it's a companion that's going to shake it up. The The thing that the show kind of lacks at the moment is a direction. We have this idea of Gallifrey, but the season isn't about finding Gallifrey. Like, it, it, the Doctor continues to stumble into problems. And that should always be a part of the show, don't get me wrong. But a clear directive, a reason why the Doctor is going to certain places uh, in search of something, to me... Uh, grabs me more as a viewer making him an active participant in his own future instead of continuing to just wander through and happen upon things like I, I, that's the thing that's that's bugging me is ultimately it's still just a collection of standalone episodes. You know, even with the way that arcs were built in the past, which is still fun, it's still like I'm hearing about this thing. I'm continuing to hear about this thing. Oh, this is that thing that I was hearing about. Yeah, it. It reminds me of Star Trek a little bit and like in what it needs cuz Star Trek especially like the original series is very much like okay we're just finding alien worlds and going on misadventures but it had the overarching goal of to search to find to explore new ra- I'm getting butchering the the intro here <laughs> It's five year right. mission um, to explore yeah. new worlds yeah, yeah. Um, but that drives everything forward. The Doctor doesn't have a goal right now. Really, he well, has individual. I would, I would argue okay. that um, I would say that the Doctor. This is, this is probably my own perspective on it, but like I would say that the Doctor's goal is is essentially figuring himself out. Like all the last seasons, he's been running, as they keep saying, he's been running from all of his problems, and this is the first Doctor to really start kind of figuring out his effect on people and his his like tidal waves in the world, essentially. And so I think that he's not looking for Gallifrey because he doesn't feel like he's worthy to be there yet. Hmm. He doesn't want to return uh, to this place that he left as, like, this broken character. And so this season is really about exploring that and him trying to figure out how to become a better man. I like that. And I feel like it's easy to gloss over what is a very big moment in that self-discovery, which happened last episode. This discovery of why he chose that face. I'm the doctor and I save people. So I want to see him going to places specifically because he went to this place because there was a piece of technology here that should not be here. That makes sense to me because I'm like, cool. This is the doctor actively trying to potentially save Mm -hmm. lives by getting rid of technology that's not supposed to be there. I know that the audience is smart. Spell it out in a line. Like, I am trying to save people. This is what I do. I am the doctor. No more self-reflection. I know what I was put on this planet to do, in this universe to do, and that's save people. I just, man, it's just like you need some level of, like, swagger and excitement that I feel like Capaldi doesn't have until it's given to him in one script. 
Mm. Yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing is we we've, we've gotten smaller goals, individual goals. Mm-hmm. Um, I like a G a G one X Rider thirteen says the doctor's ultimate goal is to eliminate boredom. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's fair. It's effective. Um, and then, and they also said that the show had no real direction for twenty six years in the original run, and that like maybe it didn't have that like overarching goal that we're looking for but i would also argue that that was just the the style of television mm-hmm. back then um and in today's television you need something that drives things forward a lot more it's just the and i know i'll be attacked by some fans for as like oh that's just the american viewpoint you just don't get i got a lot of those comments after last week's episode <laughs> um and i don't think that that has to do with being american or british i think that's just the difference between modern television mm-hmm. overall and television from the 60s 70s and 80s they were very they're just very different styles right mm-hmm. and this is a modern show now well the, the, the here this isn't black mirror i love black mirror but this isn't black mirror it's not an anthology show you have mm-hmm. a character who is always there he needs to grow he needs to change and he needs to want something or if he doesn't want anything Let's make that let's make that plain and let's make the person who's with him want something because they're still human. Hmm. It's just it's hard when you already know most of the tricks that the show is going to throw at you to remain surprised and engaged when there's no direction. Yeah. And that's le- yeah. you know, and legitimately, this is still one of my favorite shows, but I'll be honest, every episode I've seen so far this season, I've enjoyed, but I haven't felt like I was gripped in the grips of this story because ultimately I know he'll be okay. Hmm. There are other shows that make you worry more mm-hmm. um, that like like I'll use Game of Thrones just because Maisie Williams is here. Like Game of Thrones, you're you're constantly worried for every character. So every every episode becomes a water cooler discussion of what what was going to happen. I have no idea. At any moment in, in Game of Thrones, you don't know what's coming next unless you've read the books. Um, but that's cheating. Um, but you just but the the point is you don't know. In Doctor Who, you have an idea, and that's sort of the show. It's a, just a different program. They're not the same. Right. But you do want a little bit of more mystery about what comes next. Well, and even if you don't do that, even if it's just we're going inward, 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 and it's a character piece, there has been a lot of excitement uh, because the Doctor was a mystery to us when we met him. And over the past ten years, we've gotten to know him pretty damn well. And he's explored Mm -hmm. a lot of himself. And I feel like uh, how many more layers are there to peel back? How many more layers are there? Well, I think that can come a lot from his relationships with other people. And this sort of leads me into a question that I have based mm. on, like, a few lines from this episode um, where, me, like, uh, me is talking about, like, you're the man who runs away. Who told you that? Maybe I just worked it out. Um, and there's a few other moments where she's talking about friend. They talk about friendship and, like, for friendship versus an enemy. Made me think, has Missy met me and ripped those memories out of the journal this mm. specifically the the doctor's question of who told you that and she starts saying well i'm clever it just all felt and maybe it was just a reflection That's of the doctor type thing but it felt a little bit like what if missy showed up here it's a it's a possibility there's 800 years for her to have done it what do you think tari i i i don't I personally don't want it to be Missy. I want it to be something else. 
Um, because this was brought up in the Fisher King episode where he was super knowledgeable about the Doctor as well. And it's like all these people that he's meeting already have this knowledge of who he is and what he does. And for n- for no explanation at all. And I'm hoping that there's... At, like, maybe it's the this Minister of War doing stuff. But, like, uh, there's this thread that, like, people now are so familiar with him. And I'm hoping that there's, like, a... a like an, uh, another enemy that's going through and just kind of like seeding stuff in, like the way that Saxton was. Saxon? You, Saxon. Saxon. Yes. Dude, you like legitimately, I feel like you just called it. Like, no, <laughs> it's the most, it's the most subtle layering of show information ever. We'd never had in like four episodes in a row, essentially, have people know who the doctor is that we've never met before that don't explicitly work for unit we've never had that Hmm. we've never ever had that so what does that say about the universe around him who are the who are the the people you're talking about o'donnell in um the uh the last the the first two she was a former unit right soldier Then in the in the last two episodes, the Under the Sea, there were folks who knew who the Doctor was. That's yes. that's, o, that's O'Donnell. Oh, that's well, O'Donnell. She and was... the Fisher King also knew who he was. That's um, true. That's yes. true. Um, Which I that... felt like the Maze also were familiar with the Doctor as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I mean the first two part, or maybe that's like a, a a red herring, or just the fact that I mean Davros obviously knows who he is, and yeah. his. Uh, the collection snake man knew who he was. <laughs> yes, yeah, the colony and yeah. the um, colony sarf. The women, the women on uh, the, I don't remember the planet, planet, the very top of uh, I remember. The premiere. Yeah, but I don't yeah, remember the name. The, the name of it. Yeah, the um, was. Um, it's 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 just a possibility. Like, there's they were it felt excuse me. <laughs> it felt like Moffat and the writers were putting in seeds there. Mm-hmm. So like very much like what you said there, Tari. Like. There's something there that's not... I don't think that's a throwaway line. And also, with this next uh, two-parter coming up, it's the third two-parter in a row that takes place on Earth. We've never had this many Earthbound episodes in a row. Hmm. Never. We've never had six episodes on planet Earth in a row that I can recall. I have no idea. I'd have to literally... Yeah, we'd have to literally look. But I'm pretty sure we've never had six in a row. It's always been broken up with something. So the question is, those two things are very intentional. And I have to wonder, is there something deeper at play here? What appears to be an anthology of fun Doctor Who romps, is it building towards something? Because that's a calculated decision. That would be amazing and is exactly what I hope that they're doing. Yeah. Because that would be a return towards what I loved about seasons five and six, where, like, yes, the, there were individual episodes that, like, very much stood on their own. But overall, they very much tied together and was a very much a story, a tale that mm-hmm. we could get into. And that was sort of Matt Smith. Matt Smith was the fairy tale doctor. Right. So it was a little bit different. But I would love to see that come together much like much like Saxon with with Tenet. Like th- those tiny little threads that build up something big is what this show can do so well. And I hope that that's what it is. Um, we do have uh, uh, Brooke K thinks this is off topic, but I think it's going to get us back on topic. Um, said that she was a little bit disappointed when me gave the second immortality cracker to Sam Swift. I love that that's catching on. Yeah. Um, to, to Sam Swift to save the village rather than deciding he was worthy of it. What did you guys think of the decision to... Uh, what do you think of Sam Swift, the quick, in general? 
Very charismatic. Yeah. yeah. Very into young girls. Yeah. yeah. Um, she's a lady. She she, is, she has the title can of lady. We also, can we also just give major props to Maisie Williams for like what's a really incredible performance? Yeah, that, I yeah. thought just like behaving like someone who has lived for that long. Like, well, that was what very believable. It, it's so amazing, and maybe this is why they did the Viking thing for the first half because we last week we talked about how it's like. Does Maisie Williams ever get to wear modern clothes? <laughs> like she's just like because very like a shielder was very much like Arya Stark with no like painful uh, deaths in her family until this episode that right. episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but it very much felt and she felt and behaved very similar to Arya Stark and was in a very similar setting. Now we get her in a completely different place and time. And a, a completely different character, and she did a, a fantastic job. She killed it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what did you? But Sam, Sam Swift. Swift. I, I don't know. Thought he was fun. Uh, I don't know. I don't think she would have ever given that cracker to anybody. Anybody. No one was going to be worthy. If if the the husband that bo- from whom she bore three children wasn't good enough, right? You know, no one's going to be good enough. So it had to be a sacrifice on her part to give up that that option. Now I wish that he had been able to live forever instead of just living just the one life because of that. I felt like that was kind of like a cheap uh, get out of jail free card writing wise. Sam, yeah, the fact that he didn't live forever. No, I thought. See, here's the thing. I think that uh, I, I took away from that scene where the doctor's talking is is that he's trying to lie to her to like put her at ease because she's sort of like. So this is because him being a, if him being another immortal, regardless of what what they feel about each other or don't feel about each other now, makes them partners right. in a weird way, either partners or friends or enemies. It makes them colleagues. Yeah, <laughs> colleagues. They're, it ties them together forever mm-hmm. yeah. as immortals. That they, even if they separate for two hundred years, they will eventually find each other again. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think that that makes her nervous, and he's trying to put her at ease. I thought that he was like, I could tell you that. So, but I might be lying. But it's a mystery now because I'm telling you, maybe. Yeah. Hmm. I, I thought mean, it, I thought it was an intentional uh, thing. See, I thought that you know he was uh, he was lying to her because he had no idea whether or not it was going to happen like that, and I think that's exactly what happened. I think that he was taking a guess, and it was a very good guess. And Sam Swift is not alive. Because hmm. hmm. to me, if you've been alone for that long, and somebody's at least mildly entertaining, you keep them around for a little while, at least. I just I just feel like they'd stick together. Yeah, and they had really good banter out in the in the forest. Like they obviously had chemistry together. Puns yeah. and banter. I <laughs> I love that it, the doctor comes in. Oh, puns! No, not the puns. Line in the sand, not the puns. <laughs> mm-hmm. I loved that. This is banter. I'm against banter. Yeah, and just like he would have given, brought a dose of fun to her life, and given her essentially a child to look after because he's somebody who's getting used to the idea of immortality. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, also, I, yeah. Okay. I also feel like that equalizes the doctor and me in that she now understands his whole ordeal and that like that's what he does is he lives and he saves people and has to make those hard choices and now it puts them she she has to understand where he comes from at this point. Mm-hmm. 
Dancing through life in the chat room says, uh, I think he's remaining immortal because the doctor tells me to watch out for him. He does he does tell her to look after him. True. Um I I, I, I left that scene with the impression that he's sticking around. Okay, well. okay. Um you never know. Yeah. Um uh there's some more about me to discuss when we get to news and gossip in a little bit. Stick around for oh, that. Yeah. I got a theory um, that's gonna blow your bottom off. But before we get there, I want to talk real quick about the the Lionitis uh which I'm pretty sure was his they said his name. Um and the Eye of Hades. Uh, Leandro. Leandro. Oh, it was Leandro. Leandro. I, <laughs> I love the makeup. <laughs> I got it totally wrong. I knew it was a lion thing. Yeah, and I just doing like wrote King Leonidas to... from 300. Yeah, yeah. but lion. Well, he's I from the Delta Leonis. Yeah. Oh, I, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's uh, what I got wrong. Because I wrote down that. And I just didn't <laughs> specify what I was writing down. I'm sorry for that. Um, but so he came here during... Egyptian times, like I, I assume the time of the pyramids, is sort of what they established, and that's why it's called the Eye of Hades. Mm-hmm. Um, I this storyline kind of was the low point of the episode for me because it was so unclear; it was not clearly defined. No, right. because they also used different language of uh, another dimension, another reality. Like there were there were those words kind of thrown around. If I'm if I'm not if I recall correctly, yes, you are correct. Yeah, so it's not just talking about another like spot in space time we're talking about dimensions and realities yeah. they, these are things we haven't thrown around in a while and you can't throw them around lightly on this show i and for like uh, the first time i wa- i watched through um the first time i watched through uh it was i thought it he was uh this i misunderstood and it was like a different part of the galaxy and it was just like a wor- wormhole but mm-hmm. no very much uh, another, <laughs> another reality. reality. What yeah. is happening? Like another there? Earth. Well, yeah, it's like a pocket this isn't dimension. The Flash. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. That I, I, I don't have a lot to discuss here because, to be honest, there was kind of a flat storyline that I didn't really get into mm-hmm. in favor of the great storyline that was around it. Yeah. Right. Um, I just could have used a little more explanation as to exactly what was going on. I mean, my main takeaway is that I felt like this was kind of a, a, our first hint about a way to get Gallifrey out. It's just a, a method that the Doctor would never use, essentially. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, that's If we're going with the theme of hard choices this season, yeah. then is that something that he would use? Like, if it was somebody who deserved to die, if it was, I don't know, Missy, or Davros, or like, any of the people... I mean, granted, he's now, we've now hit this beat a few times, and he's always gone the other way right. uh, after leaving Davros to die. I don't think that he would do that again because of all the guilt involved. But it, you're right in that it's a tantalizing option. If you could find Gallifrey, even though it was in a pocket universe, and you could get it out of there by letting one person die, would you do it? Yeah. Like, not just, yeah. you know, it's it's the same question that's posed in that first episode. If you could save millions of people by letting one die, would you do it? Hmm. Very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about that parallel. See, that's the thing. is like There are a lot of good ideas being bandied about, but the, there doesn't seem to be a structure yet to the season that gives them gives them weight, gives I, them purpose. I think that by the time we get to the end of the season, that will, I hope, and I, I think that it looks like this is what they're doing. I think it's all going to feel like a very connected season, and it's all going to be just completely rewatchable in a different way, which is exactly right. what I love about this show. Yeah. With that, really quick, we have one quick item of news and gossip to discuss. 
So, if you guys have not heard, um, there was a little tidbit that came out from writer, uh, what's her name? It is Sarah Dollard. Sarah Dollard, who wrote episode 10 of this season, and she is basically all but confirmed, uh, this is via, um, it was in The Mirror and Radio Times, it was was widely reported, I think it was at a con that she said this, um, that Maisie, it is possible that Maisie Williams will be back in her episode in episode 10. Um, It's more or less, like, confirmed, the episode is called Face the Raven, and it's also rumored to be Jenna Coleman's exit episode, uh, whatever that means. I mean, Face the Raven has very dark implications, implications to yeah. it. Um, I mean, that, that moment at the end where me is in the, in modern day, like, looking at Clara, um, the, the fact that, that she might be, I guess, looking after Clara or just what keeping tabs on what her? do you guys what do you guys think so we know that it, it, it Maisie Williams will be will be coming back yeah hmm. um I mean I feel like from the way that they left things she was definitely going to come back at some point primed to return uh sorry you go because my the reason what I ha- have to think is more of like a big theory right thing. right 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 um I mean I think that essentially I know that she just arced in everything but I think that as she's cleaning up behind the doctor over the next 400 years or whatever um essentially i think that her her her, her targets yep her targets are going to be set on clara essentially to in order to take her away from the doctor so the doctor is forced to travel with her something hmm. to that effect that's interesting oh like she really is like out to be like i want to be the companion i still want yeah. this hmm. interesting well it'll be interesting to see um, when that episode takes place, because it could be any time in the past. I mean, it could be Face the Raven. It could be a Poe episode. Who knows? That would go be visit very, Edgar Allan Poe. Um, or we could go into the future. We could go deeper into the future. I feel like the Doctor is going to go look for her now in modern day, knowing where she is. I don't. It becomes more complicated if he goes to her past, because then he's interfering in timelines and stuff. That's true. Um, so, before we get out of here, let's do some predictions. Because... While we're, we are just starting to predict anyway. Yeah. Um, all right. Matt, I want to hear this crazy theory. Okay. So, look. Uh, e- even saying this out loud, I'm like, I know this is wrong, but I can't shake the idea. Here's what I think happens. So, Class, the new Doctor Who spinoff that is supposedly about something going on in Cole Hill School. And we know that Clara is leaving at the end of this season. To me, this episode with her and Maisie points to the both of them jumping onto class. Now, before people are like, that doesn't make any sense, or or Maisie, you know, she's Game of Thrones. Why haven't we heard anything about class at this point? That's all that we know. That's all that we know. It's it's weird. It makes to me it makes no sense. There's no casting for it. They're shooting it early next year, so it's like about six months away. Mm -hmm. It feels far too close to have heard. Not even the slightest bit of detail. What if that is because not only is it Clara's show, but it's also Maisie's show, and they can't announce that Maisie is a regular on this show without inciting a flurry of questions about Arya's fate on Game of Thrones? What if Arya gets killed this year, giving her leave to go be on this other show? And it's about 
Clara and this immortal woman training this team of kids to fight <laughs> extraterrestrials <laughs> on planet Earth. It's like X-Men... Coal yes, Hill School? Totally! I mean, granted, they don't I guess have they don't powers. powers but... They don't have any powers, but, you know... It's, it's like, like a really weird version of the Magic School Buzz. Or, like, Power <laughs> Rangers, but without the suits and zords. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, that could be very interesting. I will say, I'm pretty sure that that would be... in. It might even be in between seasons for Game of Thrones. So there may even be a window there. Game of Thrones mm. shoots very much all year round, but there is a window there, and I think around when they air is, like, where they're not shooting. Right. More likely than not, it's just a Clara show, but it just, it's an interesting thought. I mean, the rumors are that she's the first modern companion to actually die. That would also Um, be... It's all rumors. Well, that was, was like, the plan, wasn't it, with the Christmas special originally? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, well, who knows what happened there, but, like, that's the rumors, that Clara will be the first companion to actually die on screen. Hmm. Um, I don't know that I buy it. Um, I, it's possible. I wouldn't. I I would have to see how they would do it. Um, I think. Um, well, next week we get the the first of another in our line of two parters. Um, Zygons are yeah. back. Um, and it looks like we are going to be before the Cyberman invasion and after the fiftieth. So we're going back a little ways because Osgood is alive. This is what everyone was a little confused about. Uh, The director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Or S.H.I.E.L.D. (laughs) I'm way off. (laughs) Unit. The director of Unit. um, uh, Uh, Kate Stewart. Kate Kate, uh, Stewart referred to they have Osgood in the the previews. So she saw Osgood die in last year's finale. Mm-hmm. Right. So I have to imagine that this, and because it's time travel, so I think we're just going back a little ways. Okay. Interesting. Um, so mean, it'll be interesting to see. Zygons deal a lot with the concept of self mm-hmm. and danger from within. Well, the, the interesting thing is that it appears that Unit has been quietly infiltrating Zygons into the human population until there were 10,000 of them, and then they revealed themselves that they want to be here peacefully and join, you know, the human race as part of the people owning the planet. And it's about how humans are xenophobic, and we can't handle the idea that uh, our neighbor is a Zygon, our girlfriend is a Zygon, that, you know, we don't know who these people are and how a war gets started. Do you think that the Zygons are actually here to share the planet, or is it always a an invasion scenario? I mean, it could be the classic alien story of they come for peace, are met with war, and start have, retur- return what is given to them. If like if you arrive somewhere looking for peace, but are greeted with a gun, mm-hmm. and you have a gun, you're gonna pull yours out too, right? To just defend yourself at the very least. What I, I love that we're getting a continuation of the fiftieth. Um, storyline that's one of my favorite just I, I struggle to say episode because it's a movie not practically but it's one of my favorite parts of Doctor Who is that sure. episode so yeah. to, to get like a installments a, yes thank you to get a, it's a sequel we're getting a sequel yes essentially who doesn't love a sequel um, Tari what do you what do you think what's going on next week um, well, or, the, or for the per- perpetuity I mean I actually when I saw the preview thought that the Osgood that was taken was the Osgood from the last time we saw the Zygons in that like they were all transformed into the to the, into the unit officers essentially so I had assumed that it was 
Zygon Osgood instead of not original uh, Osgood. That's what I thought. Like even if, I think I even uh, talk, we talked about it last week. It was only that like that uh, Kate Leftbridge Stewart referred to her as Osgood that made me think. Oh, we could just go jump back a little bit in the timeline. Right. Okay. And they, we know that they've had Jenna Coleman and the Doctor have had adventures in the past for Unit because the when the, the first time Jenna goes in or the first time Clara goes in there. Um, she's really like, you have clearance from your last visit here, mm. which we don't know when that was. So That's I don't know that point. this could technically be it because this is after the 50th, but right. there are adventures to be had with unit in the True. past. Fair enough. Um, any other thoughts guys about this episode, anything in the future? No, What's high, next? high hopes. I feel like we've covered the gamut from, uh, things they got right to frustrations, to theories, to excitement. I'm just very curious to see what comes next. Yeah, I I think this season has a lot of potential. I feel even more excited after we've talked about it tonight. Yeah. Uh, um, thank you, Matt, for coming back and joining Absolutely. with us. I know I'm you're so busy. This is a blast. Yeah, um, happy, man. So until next, well, for for whenever. Matt, where can the people keep up with you? Well, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Matt Lieberman. Uh, I have a podcast of my own right now. It's called Ask Leaves. It's an advice podcast. You can find it on iTunes, SoundCloud, on YouTube. Um, I got a YouTube channel there. You want to check that out. I also do the SourceFed podcast over at SourceFed and Superhero Roundup, where we talk about every single comic book show on the TV except for Walking Dead uh, for reasons that should be explanatory from the title. Yes. Uh, (laughs) So go follow me there. Thanks, guys. Uh, cool, and I'm Tari J. Miller. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tari J. It's T-A-U-R-I-J-A-Y. You can also find me on the Flash Panel. Flash Panel. And you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at ThatZachWilson, T-H-A-T-Z-A-C-H-W-I-L-S-O-N. And also here at AfterBuzz on a whole bunch of shows, including Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Leftovers tomorrow night, The Muppets on Tuesday. Guys, I'm Zach Wilson, and thanks for geeking out with us. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later! The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 